When I have plucked the rose, I cannot give it vital growth again. It needs, must wither. Nine. Eight. Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Seven. Six. Uh, no, wait. Five. Four. Beam her to the bridge. Now. Two. One. Hello again, after such a long time, welcome to the Online Friend Simulator. Because everyone can use a friend, even online, I am Francis, a.k.a. The Other Guy, and I am the friendly voice here to help be friendly to you in this increasingly unfriendly world. And it's really kind of crazy how it continues to be unfriendly and to be a little volatile, isn't it? It's It's strange. Uh, I thought maybe, you know, over time, uh, we would find some common ground, some level playing field. And I, and I, I see that maybe a little by little we're getting there, slowly but surely. But I can definitely see that there's still turmoil, there's still friends still that we need to be made, there's still that bridge that's that we still need to make between ourselves and other folk. So, I'm here to hopefully help with that. And most importantly, I'm here to hopefully let you know that you are not alone. And whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling right now, it's tough. It's tough. It's oh so tough to navigate and traverse life and kind of feel like no one can relate. And though maybe I can't relate to everything, I hope that either through the people who contribute to the show or through myself that and my own experiences and sharing my anecdotes and sharing some of my life with you that hopefully hopefully you kind of know that yeah i i'm not by myself in this i'm not the only one who thinks like this i'm not going crazy in thinking that yeah it's tough like, it's tough to make those friends. It's tough to make those connections again. It's tough to, to bond with people. And so I'm here to hopefully help you, again, bridge that gap. But first, I want to know how you are. How are you? How are you doing? We're deep into summer. As ti- at time of recording, it's uh, mid-July. We are... At least in Southern California, in the midst of heat, the heat is is heavy. The heat is on. And we are just kind of trudging our way through. Life is opening up again, even more so than ever. Went to the movie theater last uh, couple weeks ago. Oh, this past weekend, actually, to watch Black Widow. And we're now seating beside each other again. We're now allowing, there are no more gaps in seats anymore. We're, our, we're now trying to fill up every available seat now so that we can sit beside each other. And it felt weird. I'm not going to lie. It felt very, very strange. It felt weird to be sitting beside another human being in such close proximity when for over a year we've been told like, ah, ooh, icky, everyone's icky, stay away. So that was, a, this is, that is and continues to be an interesting experience. 
Um, it's been also a while since we've last talked, so I am glad to reconnect with you again. I'm glad that we're reconnecting right now. I had a lot of stuff going on in the world, in my life. I had a, a story I'm, I was writing that I had to make sure that I got out there and finished. I had traveling that I did the previous weekend where I was gone and out of the country for the first time in two years since Japan. I've been out, I, I was out of the country, so that was exciting. I got to be somewhere else for a few days, which I will be talking about later. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in my world and I'm happy to share it with you to again, hopefully maybe you can relate, maybe you can understand, you know, I hope I, I hope you can, because I think this is one of my favorite things. I, I just want to briefly just touch on this. One of my favorite things about some of the podcasts that I listen to or used to listen to, not so much anymore. Um, is how relatable some of them can be and not in that forced way. And I feel like sometimes the online friend simulator is a little forced because I'm like, how do I connect with you? How do I bond with you? How do I let you know that you're, you've got a, you know, you, we, that we can be friends. And I sometimes feel like I talk about things in a way that feel a little bit disconnected. Um, and I just don't go I just don't anecdote really well. Actually, I don't. I don't feel like I anecdote really well, and I listen to these other shows, other podcasts, and they anecdote really well. Like they tell stories really well, and they share their their experiences really well in a way that are like, oh yeah, I remember that time where I was dumb, or I was smart, or I I accomplished something, or I failed at something, you know. And so I, I feel like there's that element here that disappears sometimes because it's just a one mic show. I try to keep it that way as much as possible for, you know, now I don't really want to share. I don't, I take, I mean, I do want to share. I want to share my thoughts. I want to share with you, but I, I feel like this is identity has now become a single mic show. Um, and because it makes it more intimate, right? It's you and me now, buddy, or, you know, it's you and me now, pal, like, we got this. We're in on this. We're gonna we're gonna get through this together. And it, it 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 weirds me out that we still have to do that after again a year where I still continue to see the divide. I still continue to see people butting heads. Um Well actually, you know it's funny, I see it when I enter into the circles of people who are in camps. When I look at the bigger world as a whole, like when I'm out about, I don't actually see it. And I'm curious if that is the secret, is that we need to look outside of these camps, these these groups, these teams, and see the people around us being kind of normal, everyday folk. And I feel that's kind of the case. I feel that actually more the case than, than it isn't. So I'm curious if there's a way to kind of encompass that and, and, and kind of see that for what it is. But um, anyway, uh, I just got a couple of things I want to kind of touch on before I get into talking about the travel. This is going to be a lot like the Japanese episode, Japanese episode, the Japan episode, where I kind of talk about the uh, cultural differences and kind of the uh, uh, the observations that I've had 
uh, in regards to here versus Mexico City, Mexico, which I have a lot to say about Mexico City specifically from what I was told by my girlfriend as well as my own observations. So anyway, before I get into that, um, I don't often talk about my relationship with my girlfriend. And I do that for privacy reasons, you know. I don't think she really wants our dirty laundry out in the world. But there is one thing I do want to say that is, I think, generic enough to where it doesn't really delve deep into any problems or issues we've had. But more of just a a general idea. Because I obviously have a long-distance relationship. I have a long-distance relationship with a woman of whom I get to see every so often. And as we all know, long-distance relationships are difficult as is. And we forget that sometimes because oftentimes we are under the halo of love, right? If we're in a relationship, even in a friendship, a long-distance friendship, same kind of deal. We're in that halo of friendship. We kind of sometimes forget that there is a lot of work when it comes to these types of connections. And when it comes to something that's intimate and and loving, like a, like a romantic relationship with a girlfriend or a boyfriend, the amount of work <laughs> is probably quadruple that of those who are together kind of in the same vicinity, right? Same city, same state, same, I don't know, province, I guess, if you're in Canada. But like, everyone has a different level of, I don't even say maintenance, but relationships all require maintenance, right? If you want something to work, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's physical, mechanical, emotional, um, everything needs work for for it to be successful. In other words, you can't just be friends with someone and then never talk to them ever. Even though I kind of roll that way. Look, I get it. I roll that way. I'm kind of a do as I say, not as I do type of person at this moment. But with a lot of my friends, I'm very much hands off. Um, yet they somehow still want to keep being my friend, even if I don't talk to them for a long time. And that's cool. We That's kind of what happens, I guess, as you get older, is that you know, you hear about those friendships where like, oh, we haven't talked in months, but then when we get together, it's like we've been ta- like we've been we've, we've just saw each other yesterday, like you know stuff like that. Like you hear those anecdotes, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's kind of the the friendships that I mostly have as a whole is where I don't have to talk to most of the, my friends for a very long time, and but when we do, we connect, we re- reconnect quickly, and we bond quickly. So that type of friendship maybe doesn't require that much work. But when it comes to relationships and rom- romantic types, I mean, the it does. And we have to remind ourselves quite often that it does take that extra bit of work. Again, more work than people who are nearby because we have to compensate for that distance. You have to compensate for that lack of intimacy, that lack of closeness. And then when you do have it, it becomes a, it can become overwhelming and it can become big and so you have to keep in mind like okay we have to think within these boxes we have to you have to be reasonable 
I think within these boxes, we have to be reasonable. We have to be logical. We have to think like, wait a minute, we haven't seen each other for so long. We're, we're distant, et cetera, et cetera. And so we have to build our expectations and our um, kind of, I was, was going to say expectations again, but we have to mold a relationship based on those parameters of distance, of time, and things like that. And so because it's been a while since I've seen my girlfriend, it uh, I was brought back to that. It's like, yes, you know, we do have a great time from a distance. We have a much better time close to get close together, but also it's like a lot of built up, pent up emotion, pent up all this other stuff kind of um, bubbling up at the surface till we finally meet again and be are with each other again. And it's an interesting concept, an interesting um, dynamic that if you out there are thinking of doing the long distance thing, which is so common now, right? It's so common. Just remember, because it's not always on top of mind. And so we kind of neglect it or take it, take it for granted. Like, Oh, well, we love each other. Oh, we, you know, we, we, we care about each other. Oh, we, you know, we have feelings for each other. How bad could it be? And it's not that it's bad, but again, it, it does require that like understanding and that maintenance and that, that kind of like leveling off. Like we have to, you have to remember, Hey, you haven't seen each other in a while. You don't get to see each other that often make the most of the time you have together. You know, don't waste it. Don't, you know, stuff like that. So, um, there you go. So that's number one. Number two is, well, that's it. (laughs) There's no number two. Um, but yeah, so there you go. I, I just wanted to, I just want to put that out there because again, this is a, this is the simulators about relationships. The simulator, the simulator is not just about friendships, but about, about, about love as well, about romance. And, um, again, nothing's wrong with in, in, in this particular relationship, but being together again after, so after some time apart did bring all of those emotions back, like bring a bunch of emotions together and kind of having to, to traverse that and kind of work with that. It's like, okay, don't overdo it, but also don't undersell it. And like finding that balance. Like, And it's hard. It's so hard to explain because it is this kind of uh, storm of emotions that comes with that long distance and then being together. It can get overwhelming and it can get, I was going to say messy, but it isn't messy, really. It just gets a little bit overwhelming sometimes. Like, so many different emotions going on at once. You know, what do you do? How do you handle it? How do you work with it? Things like that. All right. I've spent enough on that. Let's get into the meat of this. Uh, So let's talk about Mexico City, Mexico. Mexico City, Mexico. So I finally traveled after two years of not traveling. Last uh, Again, my last trip was uh, Tokyo, Japan, of which I went alone. And so a lot of my experiences in Japan was me kind of getting lost and kind of trying to find things myself and trying to navigate with a cell phone that didn't have very good data and like 
just trying to get around. I mean, I don't know if you recall, if you if you or if you've listened to that episode. You know, I lost my phone. I at this at Disneyland Tokyo, <laughs> Tokyo Disney. Um, I had blisters on my feet. I, I kept walking around. It's it's a very interesting experience. Well, Mexico City, Mexico is a much different beast. Because there's one thing I'm going to tell you now that I think is super important because I was ill-prepared. Depending on where you come from, I, I'm, you know, me going to Japan, no big deal. Sea level is sea level, right? And why am I mentioning sea level? Well, because lo and behold, Mexico City is pretty much two miles up in the air. 7,000-some feet above sea level. So it's like you're on a mountain, even though it's all just one flat city. It's like you're on top of a mountain. And you don't really realize that until you're there. Uh, my only other experience I can kind of relate it to is like Utah. Like if you ever go to Utah or even Colorado, Colorado's a mile up. But I, I didn't have these issues in Colorado for some reason. But I did in Utah. So I went to Utah for a convention uh, many years ago. And I went to this resort, which is very up in the mountains. And I could not, for the life of me, climb this mountain. I was out of breath after three steps. And you can say, well, you're a fat, out of shape, lazy bum. And in which I would say, yes, you're right. <laughs> I can't argue with that. But I was able to, I, I had a hard time breathing. I, as long as I stood still and as long as I walked slowly, I was able to make you know, make my way around without too much hassle. Okay. Other people had a, a fine time with it. I must have terrible lungs because my lungs couldn't handle it. My, I, I, I don't know if it was just that I, ha I, I don't have swimmers' lungs or, I, or what, but I could not handle Utah. Well, let's... It, that experience tenfold for Mexico City. Now, mind you, I arrive at Mexico City, and for those of you who don't know, based on maybe my voice or my name or whatever, maybe you can't tell my ethnicity, but I am Asian. I am Filipino, which only is is relevant for the one reason and one reason only, is that I look Mexican. And so, I and, and as such... I am treated as if I were Mexican. Now, why is that a problem? It's not except for the fact that I do not speak Spanish. I took three years of Spanish in high school and a year of Spanish and I think in college, but none of it stuck because I never used the language. I never really had to. Vast majority of people in Southern California, despite whether they you know come from Mexico or not, Tijuana, whatever, enough of them speak English to where I never really had an issue. So Spanish is a language that I have kind of rudimentary and a rudimentary understanding of. I can speak some words. So, but there is a little bit of a language barrier. Luckily, I went to this unlike Japan, I am going to a country in which I already know someone. So, half of my issues have been taken care of. The language barrier is gone. Actually, there's quite a few people in Mexico City who speak English, so it really helps a lot. But the vast majority do not. So language, all that stuff, taken care of. I had a guide, all that stuff. 
And the reason I bring that up is because I didn't, neither of us knew the effects <laughs> of altitude would have on me. Now, there are, I'm telling you this because if you decide to go, give yourself a couple days to acclimate. I did not. The moment I got there, we're like, let's go, let's let's look around, let's hut, let's go to these places, let's walk around, let's hike, let well, we, you know, hike these places. No, we didn't really hike, but like, let's go to these places, let's go check out these 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 known um, locations. Let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And so, right off the bat, I took an overnight flight from a, 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 a red eye to Mexico City, which was my first mistake. I didn't get any sleep because I was. For some reason, both flights got the middle seat despite requesting a corner seat. Um, but I got a middle seat. And I was just inundated um, with exhaustion. I was just blanketed in tiredness, which I thought I can work it out, right? Like, if, if this were sea level California, I'd be like, I could tough it out. I toughed it out in Japan. I did the same thing, 20 hour flight. I stuffed through very little of it. You know, left on a Friday, arrived on a Sunday afternoon, and spent the entire Sunday going through Asakusa. Like, whatever. I can do that with Mexico City. So, you know, my girlfriend, kind enough, says, okay, let's go. Let's do this. I know places. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And so we did. And that's when the problem started. (laughs) That's when things started going wrong. Because you, I didn't acclimate yet. I didn't even know. I didn't even think about it. I did not. I did no research, and so I start having a hard time breathing. I notice I, I'm short of breath. I'm, I'm struggling to move. I'm struggling to walk around. I, my leg was already bothering me. I was already hurting. I was. It wasn't a good experience. And so I'm walking around, and I'm like, I'm falling asleep. I'm feeling tired. And I'm like, well, it's okay. We'll just, I need to take a nap. We'll take a nap. It'll be fine. It was not fine. I always spent about half a day out just kind of waiting for our, you know, waiting for, you know, a uh, time for us to, to find a place to take a nap. And then when we finally, you know, arrived at the Airbnb to, to sleep, I, like, I guess I just overexerted myself and I had my first bout of altitude sickness. Now, altitude sickness is no joke. You're short of breath. You feel like you're suffocating. It lasted for like a couple hours. I felt like absolute dog crap. And I, and that's not a way to start your vacation. Every bit of energy I had sapped away. I was I felt like I was dying. We were we were scared. We were panicking. I thought it wasn't until afterwards where I did the research. Like, oh no, this is kind of normal if you overexert yourself the first day you're there. You take a couple days to relax, acclimate yourself, get yourself used to the environment, get yourself used to the thinner air, the lack of oxygen, and then you'll be fine. I didn't do that. I was stupid. Didn't do that. So, needless to say. Bad couple first couple days because I spent most of those couple days kind of relaxing and kind of regaining my strength because I was gone. <laughs> it was a, a ridiculously bad experience. 
But we knew now. We knew better. We knew. Okay. I, I I'm gonna. You know, I need to be fine. And I was for the rest of the trip. It took it, it took me two days to get acclimated. Uh, the third day, I was in it, ready to go. Did a bunch of sightseeing. Did a bunch of everything. Still short of breath. You know, a little. You know, whatever. But I was able to like actually see and experience and enjoy Mexico City. Now, Mexico City is. Not like the rest of Mexico. Mexico City has a lot of these uh, districts that are very much catered to tourism. And I guess like Acapulco and Cancun and stuff like that. Like you have places that are very much related to tourism. And that's the same thing here. And what I noticed is, is that the people in Mexico... Are it's a hustler's country, it's a hustler's city. Maybe it's a, uh, and I'm gonna guess it's a hustler's country too because I can relate it a little bit to Tijuana, where I have been, you know, because it's right in you know so, southern border of California. And it is, if there's a job that can be done, it is being done. You know, gas stations are full service, so you know you can't do your own gas. You can't, you can't, uh, you, you know, they check your oil, they clean your windows. Everywhere you go, there's someone doing a job at whatever age, too. Like at a young age, doesn't matter. There's people of all ages doing jobs, making money, doing the hustle. And it doesn't matter what it is. It's either selling stuff on the street, whether it's like bootleg DVDs or imitation Louis Vuitton or, again, like um, you know, helping you park your car. Everything is a hustle. And... Uh, it gave me an appreciation of kind of the people as like they're all about the work. They want to earn their money. They don't want to just beg. They don't want to. They don't want to hand out. They want to earn their keep, and everyone does it. Everyone's earning their keep. Everyone's trying to make it a thing happen. There is this amazing thing at grocery stores that I had no idea was a thing, but you know Martha told me about it, which is that there are. I'm guessing retired grandmothers who bag your food at the grocery store. Like that's their job, right? They're paid like the lowest of wages, but they need something to do, right? So instead of being like a Walmart greeter here, like here in the States, there in Mexico, they bag your food and then you give them a tip afterwards, right? Because that's kind of how they get their extra cash. That's how they kind of maintain, you know, a living like a living at their at their advanced age is that they bag your 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 stuff unbelievable and 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 that's just kind of like what i mean about this hustle mentality this hustle society it's like everyone has a job to do everyone like i i think there are more way more workers than there were people who were like being who were customers for those workers and their main, as much as I say there's like bootleg stuff and like invitation Louis Vuitton, I think their main kind of product is food. Because everywhere you go, there's a food stall. Everywhere. And, 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 and it's not just like a simple food stall. It's not like, um, 
I'm trying to think of a good equivalent because they don't, you know, here in California, they, there's there's no just regular food stall, right? There's food trucks, but these are just like a pre-set up, like it's already set up. It's, it's already like the it's like a a permanent kind of fixture uh, along the street. They just bring the ingredients, they cook in front of you, and they make your food there, and you eat it there. You just stand around eating. Um, but that's kind of, I mean, it's just kind of weird that that's kind of their thing that, you know, they, they just make their food everywhere. Like th- this is how innovative they are. There's is the, I was taken to a auto shop, right? It's an auto shop by day, but after like six o'clock, seven o'clock, it turns into a taqueria where they sell you tacos. Apparently the best tacos, the best, um, tacos al pastor in in Mexico City. And it was really good. It was great. And it was packed. And people were just standing around and, and eating their tacos. And they're like slicing it up. And, and you could tell, like, it, there's just like this thin metal barrier between the auto shop where they're fixing cars and just like the restaurant area where they're slicing meat and slicing um, uh, pineapple onto your tacos and like serving you glass coke which is again coke is like the national beverage of mexico it's amazing so much everyone drinks coke there when i saw like the random person drinking pepsi i'm like what (laughs) you're like a traitor to the nation just drinking pepsi it's all coke you know but um yeah yeah so everyone drinks coke um but that's the people okay so that's the people right that's the people Let's talk about kind of the environment of, of Mexico City. One of the things that I noticed about Mexico City in relation to, again, California, again, they're such close neighbors. I, I feel like Tijuana is a much cleaner city in comparison to Mexico City. Tijuana, I feel, is a little bit more modern, um, probably because of its close proximity to California. Maybe. That's my guess. Mexico City is like dead center of the country, so it's far away from American influence. But I think there's enough American influence and enough back and forth between the border over there that they're able to maintain kind of a fancier look. But Mexico City is no slouch. It's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful city. Um that has like this weird I was supposed to say underbelly, but it's not really underbelly. But there's a side of it that not everyone gets to see. The tourists don't really get to see, which is, again, more of the hustle part of the city. But I got to see, like, the capital, and I got to see the ruins of a a pyramid where, when the Spanish conquered Mexico, they tore down this, like, elaborate ancient pyramid to build their, their Catholic cathedral, which housed probably millions upon millions of dollars worth of gold <laughs> in there inlaid um statues and ornaments and stuff like that it's again very very catholic very much how it is uh, but if you if you ever go to mexico city you'll notice that a lot of the architecture and a lot of the um the uh, aesthetic is because again, it was conquered by Spain, very much looks like Spain, which I was at one point. I went to Madrid, 
and it is very eerily similar. I guess it's not eerily similar because again, conquered, right? But yes, very similar, very similar in architecture and style. And it was it was really cool to kind of see like, oh, I, I remember seeing this in Madrid or Toledo. It's like, oh yeah, I remember like this type of tile and this type of this kind, you know, these these, these type of moldings and oh, this is how you did the streets and all that stuff, which is very fascinating. With all those types of things, with how it's very similar to Spain and stuff, I was very happy and very fortunate that my girlfriend, who is also my guide, is also very familiar with the history of the city. So I got kind of a an extra added bonus to having a guide like her show me around the city. You know, when I was in Japan, I didn't have anyone telling me the history of... Kyoto or Shibuya or, you know, anything like that, right? What is the history of Akihabara? What makes these places so unique? What is the story behind the Sega building and the arcade? And what's the history? Nobody was there, no one was there to tell me, but she was there to tell me kind of you know, all of these fascinating things that I now know about the city and about kind of... Um, how it came to be and how it, how it developed into the way it was and and uh, why the architecture of the city is the way it is and that it's you know it was built on mud so it's always sinking it's always kind of the, the foundations are always changing and it's really kind of humorous to her as it is to me that they have to kind of compensate for the fact that parts of the city is sinking like Venice Right, but it's not sinking into the ocean; it's just sinking further and further into the ground. So it's really fascinating to see, like, oh, well, this is where they added stone so that they could cover up the mud, or this is where they added steps because, you know, the entrance to this building is lower than it used to be, and things like that. So it's really cool to have that that background in the city, but also again. One of the, the the most fascinating things about the people is, or about about the city itself, are the people. <laughs> because despite the fact that it's a hustler's country, it's a hustler's city, and again, I'm basing it on the city versus the country because she often tells me, hey, Mexico, Mexico City is very different in relation to the rest of the country. For instance, if you've ever had Mexican food... You know what a quesadilla is, right? It's cheese in a tortilla. Well, for some reason, in Mexico City, a quesadilla is just stuff in a... It doesn't have to be cheese. It could be anything in a tortilla. And I think it's deep fried. And if you want a quesadilla, like a traditional quesadilla, you ask for a quesadilla de, quesadilla de queso, right? It's kind of like... Uh, a cheese thing with cheese. It's like, really? You have to do that? It's like, yes. That's how they're different. Uh, one of the, not, not not why they're different, but one of the little differences between Mexico City and the rest of the country as a whole. But it is, um, so when I, when I talk about, will only obviously relate to the city. I don't think it, I don't know if the rest of Mexico is a hustler's country, but definitely the city, hustler city. And it's, you know, maybe there are pickpockets, maybe there's 
kidnapping, as I was once told that it's like the kidnapping capital, which is, I, I don't, which is a terrible thing to say about any place, really. But I understand you want to be cautious, you want to be you know, aware. But a lot of travelers go, never get kidnapped, are perfectly fine, never get mugged, never get robbed. A lot of as long as you're you know you're self aware and you're you're aware of your surroundings and wherever your stuff is you know you're gonna have a good time. Plus, again, I, I I had the added bonus of looking like the people. I don't look like a tourist. I look like I belong, um, which is good and bad because again I get spoken to in a language that I'm not completely familiar with. But at the same time, it's awesome that everyone is pretty nice. They're pretty polite. Um, they don't have the same kind of discipline and rigidness of the Japanese, but they do have a a politeness to them and a welcomingness to to them. And even though they spoke to me, and even though I, people figured out at some point that I don't speak the language, whenever people spoke to to Martha, they would also look at me. And include me in the conversation, despite the fact that I've already kind of announced that I do not speak Spanish. I, I don't know the language very well. I speak English. But they still try to include me anyway because they're, they're very polite. They're very nice. Um, and that's something I really um, – that I really took from this is that, uh, again, how do we know – a how do we know um, how do I put this without being too political but you know we have our stereotypes and we have our prejudices and things like that and we don't really appreciate a person's until we go and visit where they're from sometimes now mind you the Mexicans of California are incredibly different from the Mexicans of Mexico City, Mexico. They, 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 uh, in the sense of like they are two separate cultures now, right? Even though they may have come from Mexico, they often acclimate pretty quickly to the United States, to California, and therefore they develop their own culture. That is a mishmash of the United States and, and Mexico. While in Mexico, still, there's this, this almost purity to it in the sense of like, hey, this is the only life we know. This is the only world we know, obviously, right? And it is very much a, again, a, a very polite, um, but also very like got to do, do the hustle type of place. And it, it leads me to this, like, well, I have now kind of been to three different types of countries. I've been to, you know, I, I obviously live in a first world country. I've visited here. I mean, I visited here. I visited Ireland. I visited Spain. All first world countries. Then I visited the Philippines many years ago. Third world country. And oftentimes I think people forget or think or have this conception that Mexico is kind of a third world country, and it's not. It's definitely a developed country. It's definitely a, a – I, I never really hear the word second world, but it's definitely a developed country. It has a lot of modern amenities that, that the Philippines didn't have, right? 
Like the Philippines doesn't have a lot of modern amenities. I w- I stayed at a house in the Philippines where I had to bathe in in, a, in buckets of water that we had to fill using bottled wa- bottled water because we, in 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 a house that functioned. This was a house that's supposed to function, but it, it it's it, it's lived in. But the problem is, is like water's hard to come by, so you have to buy your water. Um. If you go to a convenience store, there's armed guards right outside the convenience store. That wasn't the case here in Mexico. Like, there's you just don't turn the corner. There's armed guards everywhere. Yeah, there are police everywhere. Um, and and whether you trust the police or not is another story. Uh, uh, but it, it didn't feel like it d- definitely felt more closer to a first world country than it did a third world country. So I hope people who may have had misconceptions about Mexico will reevaluate that because it, it is a beautiful place. Um, I'll, and when I say beautiful, I mean it is. There's so much green, so many parks. If you can ignore the graffiti, <laughs> so many beautiful, lush green parks, fountains everywhere with wildlife like ducks, ducks that they don't. Again, I, I was like, these are, I thought they were geese at first, and, and Martha was telling me they were ducks. And I'm like, oh. We have different ducks. <laughs> Our ducks are smaller and they're brown and green and they, you know, they don't have like the weird thing on their bill and like that weird like fleshy thing on their bill. Like your ducks are different. But there's again that that it, it that whole experience of like this is definitely a new world. It's definitely a different world and a new world and and and, and different enough from where I'm from that I'm like, "Wow, that's cool," right? To to see that contrast and, and, and that, that difference. Um, oh yeah. It's interesting to now have experienced kind of more or less. I mean, obviously there are many different types of environs and different types of, of, of countries uh, and levels of, of, of poverty and whatnot. And maybe if I went to the bad parts of Mexico city or Mexico, where I'd feel like, okay, yeah, it feels like a third world country. I don't know. As far as I know though, Mexico city, in, especially in comparison to like Manila in the Philippines. Um, I think there's a big enough contrast where I feel like, Mexico City is more modern than Manila is in the Philippines, uh, but not as modern as like Dublin or Madrid or L.A. Right. So it, I highly recommend it. I mean, I, I'm sure I'm missing stuff. Oh, food! I want to talk briefly about food. I'm like, I know I'm missing something. Let's talk about the food. Food is Mexican food. If you're from the United States. They're not the same. Um, you probably get something similar at uh, food trucks. And maybe if they say they're authentic Mexican food restaurants. I've been to authentic, what they call themselves, authentic Mexican food restaurants. And they do not serve the same type of food that they serve in Mexico. Like there was this weird black bean and egg mixture that I had for breakfast that I had never heard of or seen before. And it was good, but I'm just like new flavors. Never ta- like I, I encountered so many new flavors, and 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 my taste buds encountered so many new things. Their mint chip ice cream is different. Like the mint is more mint 
mint, that's a different type of mint. I was going to say it's more minty, but it, it doesn't have that toothpaste taste that some mint chocolate chip ice cream has. And the, the chocolate itself is much more bitter. And it's so different. Like, there's just so many in their food, so many differences that are subtle enough where it's like, okay, you want to get a taco from Mexico? Their tacos are different. You know, they use different types of meats. They use different types of cheeses. I had a hamburger. I had a hamburger. <laughs> hamburger. You think, oh, hamburger. Everyone does kind of the hamburger the same, right? No, no, no. This is a hamburger from a stall. It was white cheese on meat with jalapenos, lettuce, tomato, and ketchup and mustard and Thousand Islands sauce. Like they, and no, mayo. I'm sorry. Not, not Thousand Islands sauce. Mayo. And they just toss it on there. It's messy. It's juicy. It's delicious. It's different. It was a burger that tasted different from other burgers. I mean, the meat tastes the same. But, like, the combination of the jalapenos and the cheese. Like, I love that. As I as you sound, as you hear me get more and more passionate about food. <laughs> I love that. And I love the that I got to experience it with someone. So despite the bumps, despite the hurdles, despite the weirdness, one of the things I realized how much I miss and love, and I actually didn't get to do, this is probably the first relationship where I got to, but I feel I'm going to actually really experience this is the ability to travel with someone of whom I care about and want to share experiences with. Um, I haven't been in a bunch of relationships. I've only been in like three um, real relationships. None of them were tra- I traveled with. This one is weird because, again, we're in different countries. So it's like we tra- when we visit each other's country, it's like they're traveling. In a you know they're, they're vacationing and traveling to somewhere new. I'm vacationing and traveling somewhere new. But it's their territory. It's my territory, right? But what I realized was I haven't experienced something new with someone like that before in a very long time. And it continues to kind of define, like I was talking about, what is my measurement of success? What is my measurement of, of, of a complete and full life? And that's part of it. That's a, that's a section of it is being able to find someone of whom I can experience life with. And I feel that is something that is that was sorely missing from my life, my entirety of my life. Because, again, I don't – other than my family, of whom I care about and love, it's obviously a different experience. When you're with someone of whom you're romantically in love with, for some reason, at least in my brain, the memory clicks differently. Everything clicks differently. Experiences click differently. Because even though I was experiencing every stuff for the first time and she was not, sharing those moments, I feel, is what helps make life fulfilling. Because, yes, you can go out there and experience yourself, it yourself. And, yes, you have those memories. But there's something about being able to share those stories with one another and with others where there's just more than one person of whom you can share, like have who, who shared a similar experience and being able to share those experiences with others. I feel 
is part of the human experience and the human condition. You know, yes, you could do it with family, but there's again something different about that. Yes, you could do it, with, and, and, and I mean, and it doesn't. Even, I guess it doesn't even have to be romantic. Friendship-wise, all of my convention experiences were that much better because I had friends with me. I had people of whom I wanted to experience these experiences with with me, and therefore it enhanced those experiences because I've been, I've traveled alone, I've been to places alone. And as fun as it is, it lacks that, like, hey, what did you think? Or, hey, did you just see that? Or, hey, how awesome was that? Being able to, again, connect in that way, I feel, is incredibly important personally. Personally, incredibly important in regards to, again, the human experience. And I was very, very fortunate to have someone who was an amazing guide an amazing, uh, again, surprise. I, 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 her love of history and her love of like her knowledge of her environment and being able to share that with me, I thought was super fun and, and, and a rare treat. And I hope you find someone like that again, whether it be friend or romantic or whatever, just being able to share it with someone who's passionate about this history, who wants to share those moments with you in that way. Super great. Even if it's a stranger, you know, if it's a guide, I'm telling you, it's that much more fun when you have somebody who's actually passionate and loves the world that they're in. All right. I'm getting close to the end. I talked a lot, talked way too much. Um, if I have any more to say about Mexico City, it is that it is a must go. I recommend it to anyone who go who who who's looking to travel. Flying sucks. The whole flight experience sucks. I hated my entire flying experience there and back. It was the worst. It's, but it's only if you're from California, four and a half hours tops. No big deal. Um, but it was a terrible experience. Delay <laughs> two hour delay going home or two hour plus delay going home. I should say. Terrible. Um, okay. Well, let's get into... Uh, let's wrap, wrap this up with, of course, comments. This is from the last episode I did from forever ago. Also got a lot of spam. Which, um, in, any other, in any other case, would be great. Because I love spam. I think spam is delicious. But in this case, not so much. So here we go. This is from episode uh, The Art of Manipulation. Uh, from... Oh my god. It's almost been... What, that's the 22nd? I just want to see real quick. Oh, three weeks. Almost a month. 22nd is just next week. July 22nd. I put this out in uh, June 22nd. So I apologize, everyone. I, I, a, lot of, a lot's been going on. A lot's been going on. All right. Uh, listening on Tuesday, June 22nd, 20, or 22nd of June 2021. He's using the right... Version. This is right, Cal Left Coast. Using the right um, format for dates. Third full day of summer and definitely into a drought in the American West. Uh, yeah. Life is a series of decision, decisions. Blah, decisions. Their outcomes and prioritizing the various numbers of things which are in one's life. Also, life is like a rope full of possibilities of what can be made out of it. Can be made into a bridge used to connect others. Can be made into a hammock and used to rest upon. It can be used as the mainstays to a shelter to protect oneself from the elements. And as often as has 
been suggested, it can be given to someone and used to make a noose collar, which one can hang themselves with. Wow, dark. Uh, not everyone prioritizes others as those others might prioritize them. All relationships are multiple-way streets with different amounts of value given to them by differing individuals involved. The talk, uh, This talk of control and manipulation reminds me of the psychology and sociology of cults, their emergence, sustainment, and collapse. Life is finite. We are mortal, and you like to bring that up. Uh, and thus, how we spend our time is an investment of the most precious thing we ha- one has. When I was in the medical field, uh, seeing someone fight for those precious last moments was often the most heart-wrenching and uh, most noble struggle. Um, before, Therefore, when the, some gives another their time, do you realize what is being done? Uh, give the masses bread and circus. Give good times. Give us weak people. Oh, my. Should we worry for the future? Money does not buy happiness, but sufficient amounts may make life go smoother, as is not money a measurement of what others value someone else's time. Uh, hmm, time. Some seems like a common valued commodity. Be well and look forward to the next show. Thank you so much, Right Count. Um, uh, more, 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 philo- more philosophical than it is uh, questions, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of respond to some of this. Um, yeah, I, I feel like um, most people don't realize that we give each other that we give each other the currency of time. I think the vast majority of people don't, and I'm not surprised. Uh, I still believe that uh, overall, every one of us are selfish to some degree. Uh, we are selfish in a way that um, may be detrimental to other people, and is in I think which is human nature. And that um, only, again, through self-reflection can we be aware of our selfishness and try to be a little less so. But we're always, always, always going to look out for ourselves. I believe there are, of course, exceptions to the rule, but I believe that everything we do is for selfish means, even in our romantic and our French uh, and, and friendly relationships, right? Because we want people around us who we like. It's selfish of us because it makes us feel good to be around people who we enjoy being around, whom we enjoy spending time with, whom we are in love with, whom we are um, uh, incredibly good friends with, best friends with. Like we want to be around those people because they make us feel good and hopefully we provide them the same value. Um, as for um, bread and circuses, yeah, that's us. That's right now. I mean, the vast majority of people would rather forget that there are issues still that people that, that we are not resolving. I think that's why politics is often quite forgotten um, up until recently. And But now we're, we're happy we can forget about it, right? Like we're happy we can be back to the bread and circuses because I think most people don't want to think about politics. They don't want to think about the hard issues. They don't want to think about that stuff because it's difficult and it's depressing and it's – Again, eating into their valuable time. As for does money buy us happiness versus making life go smoother? I think, again, happiness is relative, but I do. Yes, you're right. Money. I mean, that's why we get paid to work, right? That's why we're paid an hourly wage, because the hours we put into work is equivalent to the money. It has value, has monetary value. Um, Whether it's the right monetary value that's that's the debate the forever debate right that's the, we're always going to debate what our, our time is worth uh, no matter what we do you know maybe some people 
believe that we're worth a million dollars an hour, right? But who's going to pay that? I don't know. Unless we do it ourselves, right? And uh, lastly, um, oh no, that's it. Don't worry about the future. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we work it out no matter what. Like we just somehow, we persevere and we strive. It's just, again, going back to human nature, it's just kind of how we work. Uh, as a collective, really, not more than an individual at an individual basis. Like we, when the collective wants to succeed, we succeed. When the collective wants to do well, we do well. But then, uh, when we become too individualistic, sometimes, which is fine. I think being individual is great, and we should be. But sometimes, if we don't forget that we are also part of a greater community, we can. You know, we can cause parts or portions of our society to collapse. Ugh. Having a hard time talking. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Ray Kalafkoskin, for writing in. You are so awesome. Really do appreciate it. If you want to be just like Ray Cow, go ahead and go on to sincere-sarcasm.net. You can search the episode that you were listening to or listen on the browser if you like. Download it on iTunes and, and whatever podcatcher you happen to have. Uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on anything that I've talked about in this episode and, the, and then in the past. I would love to just either be told I'm wrong or maybe share some you know equivalent thoughts, maybe um, collaborate in those ideas and, and hopefully come to some kind of maybe ultimate conclusion on how like best way like our best ways to live life, the most efficient way to live life, maybe even, I don't know. That's a little sad to say the most efficient, but you get, you know, you get my drift. Um, OFS show at gmail.com three, four, seven, four, five, zero, four, three, three, five. I have a bunch of different ways you can get a hold of me at AKA the other guy on Twitter and Instagram. And that is all. I didn't have a second sound bite. Damn. Oh, well. Uh, it's fine. I I'm gonna get back into the groove of things now that I'm back from my trip. Um, let me know what the kind of topics you want to talk about, what you're interested in, what your thoughts are. Now that again that we're opening up even more and more, now that we are getting together even more and more, now that we're traveling, love to hear your thoughts on everything. I really do appreciate it. You guys are awesome. I love you all, and please remember, folks, if you um. Want to? Oh, just if you just want to help the show out in any way, shape, or form. Most importantly, is to just leave reviews on any uh, on iTunes, uh, on iTunes podcasts, on 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 Google Play, on wherever you're whatever whatever you're listening to this to. Just leave those comments. It helps other people find the show. Love to get more listeners. Love to get more feedback. Love to get more interaction. You guys again are fantastic. Thanks everyone for listening. And please know from the bottom of my heart that you have a friend in me. Hasta luego, everyone. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye.